Section six of Hinduism and Buddhism an Historical Sketch, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Peter Yearsley. Hinduism and Buddhism an Historical Sketch, Volume One by Charles Eliot. Section six New Forms of Buddhism. In the three or four centuries following Asoka, a surprising change came over indian buddhism but though the facts are clear it is hard to connect them with dates and persons but the change was clearly posterior to asoka for though his edicts show a spirit of wide charity it is not crystallized in the form of certain doctrines which subsequently became prominent the first of these holds up as the moral ideal not personal perfection or individual salvation but the happiness of all living creatures the good man who strives for this should boldly aspire to become a buddha in some future birth and such aspirants are called bodhisattvas secondly buddhas and some bodhisattvas come to be considered as supernatural beings and practically deities the human life of gautama though not denied is regarded as the manifestation of a cosmic force which also reveals itself in countless other buddhas who are not merely his predecessors or destined successors but the rulers of paradises in other worlds faith in a buddha especially in amitabha can secure rebirth in his paradise the great bodhisattvas such as avalokita and manjushri are splendid angels of mercy and knowledge who are theoretically distinguished from buddhas because they have indefinitely postponed their entry into nirvana in order to alleviate the sufferings of the world these new tenets are accompanied by a remarkable development of art and of idealist metaphysics this new form of buddhism is called mahayana or the great vehicle as opposed to the small vehicle or hinayana a somewhat contemptuous name given to the older school the idea underlying these phrases is that sects are merely coaches all travelling on the same road to salvation though some may be quicker than others the mahayana did not suppress the hinayana but it gradually absorbed the traffic the causes of this transformation were twofold internal or indian and external buddhism was a living that is changing stream of thought and the hindus as a nation have an exceptional taste and capacity for metaphysics this taste was not destroyed by gautama's dicta as to the limits of profitable knowledge nor did new deities arouse hostility because they were not mentioned in the ancient scriptures the development of brahmanism and buddhism was parallel if an attractive novelty appeared in one something like it was soon provided by the other thus the bhagavad-gita contains the ideas of the mahayana in substance though in a different setting it praises disinterested activity and insists on faith it is clear that at this period all indian thought and not merely buddhism was vivified and transmuted by two great currents of feeling demanding the one a more emotional morality the other more personal and more sympathetic deities i shall show in more detail below that most mahayanist doctrines though apparently new have their roots in old indian ideas but the presence of foreign influences is not to be disputed and there is no difficulty in accounting for them 
Gandhara was a Persian province from 530 to 330 BC, and in the succeeding centuries the northwestern parts of India experienced the invasions and settlements of numerous aliens, such as Greeks, from the Hellenistic kingdoms which arose after Alexander's expedition, Parthians, Sarkas, and Kushans. Such immigrants, even if they had no culture of their own, at least transported culture, just as the Turks introduced Islam into Europe. Thus, whatever ideas were prevalent in Persia, in the Hellenistic kingdoms, or in Central Asia, may also have been prevalent in northwestern India, where was situated the university town of Taxila, frequently mentioned in the Jatakas as a seat of Buddhist learning. The foreigners who entered India adopted Indian religions, and probably Buddhism, more often than Hinduism, for it was at that time predominant and disposed to evangelize without raising difficulties as to caste. Foreign influences stimulated mythology and imagery. In the reliefs of Asoka's time, the image of the Buddha never appears, and as in the earliest Christian art, the intention of the sculptors is to illustrate an edifying narrative rather than to provide an object of worship. But in the Gandharan sculptures, which are a branch of Greco-Roman art, he is habitually represented by a figure modelled on the conventional type of Apollo. The gods of India were not derived from Greece, but they were stereotyped under the influence of Western art, to this extent that familiarity with such figures as Apollo and Pallas encouraged the Hindus to represent their gods and heroes in human or quasi-human shapes. The influence of Greece on Indian religion was not profound. It did not affect the architecture or ritual of temples, and still less thought or doctrine. But when Indian religion, and especially Buddhism, passed into the hands of men accustomed to Greek statuary, the inclination to venerate definite personalities, having definite shapes, was strengthened. Persian influence was stronger than Greek. To it are probably due the many radiant deities who shed their beneficent glory over the Mahayanist pantheon, as well as the doctrine that bodhisattvas are emanations of Buddhas. The discoveries of Stein, Pellio, and others have shown that this influence extended across Central Asia to China, and one of the most important turns in the fortunes of Buddhism was its association with a Central Asian tribe analogous to the Turks, and called Kushans or Yuchi, whose territories lay without, as well as within, the frontiers of modern India, and who borrowed much of their culture from Persia, and some from the Greeks. Their great king, Kanishka, is a figure in Buddhist annals, second only to Asoka. Unfortunately, his date is still a matter of discussion. The majority of scholars place his accession about 78 AD, but some put it rather later. The evidence of numismatics and of art indicates that he came towards the end of his dynasty rather than at the beginning, and the tradition which makes Asvagosha his contemporary is compatible with the later date. Some writers describe Kanishka as the special patron of Mahayanism, but the description is of doubtful accuracy. The style of religious art, known as Gandharan, flourished in his reign, and he convened a council which fixed the canon of the Sarvastivadins. This school was reckoned as Hinayanist, and though Asvagosha enjoys general fame in the Far East as a Mahayanist doctor, yet his undoubted writings are not Mahayanist in the strict sense of the word. 
but a more ornate and mythological form of religion was becoming prevalent and perhaps kanishka's council arranged some compromise between the old and the new after us for gosha comes nagarjuna who may have flourished any time between one hundred and twenty five and two hundred a d a legend which makes him live for three hundred years is not without significance for he represents a movement and a school as much as a personality and if he taught in the second century a d he cannot have been the founder of mahayanism yet he seems to be the first great name definitely connected with it and the ascription to him of numerous later treatises though unwarrantable shows that his authority was sufficient to stamp a work or a doctrine as orthodox mahayanism his biographies connect him with the system of idealist or nihilist metaphysics expounded in the literature for it is more than a single work called pranyaparamita with magical practices by which the power of summoning bodhisattvas or deities is specially meant and with the worship of amitabha his teacher saraha a foreigner is said to have been the first who taught this worship in india in this there may be a kernel of truth but otherwise the extant accounts of nagarjuna are too legendary to permit of historical deductions he was perhaps the first eminent exponent of mahayanist metaphysics but the train of thought was not new it was the result of applying to the external world the same destructive logic which gautama applied to the soul and the result had considerable analogies to sankara's version of the vedanta whether in the second century a d the leaders of buddhism already identified themselves with the sorcery which demoralized late indian mahayanism may be doubted but tradition certainly ascribes to nagarjuna this corrupting mixture of metaphysics and magic the third century offers a strange blank in indian history little can be said except that the power of the kushans decayed and that northern india was probably invaded by persians and central asian tribes the same trouble did not affect southern india and it may be that religion and speculation flourished there and spread northwards as certainly happened in later times many of the greatest hindu teachers were dravidians and at the present day it is in the dravidian regions that the temples are most splendid the brahmans strictest and most respected it may be that this dravidian influence affected even buddhism in the third century a d for arya deva the successor of nagarjuna was a southerner and the legends told of him recall certain dravidian myths bodhidharma too came from the south and imported into china a form of buddhism which has left no record in india End of section six.